your whole nervous system feels tense around them and can't relax or lean into their presence. There is mistrust. And once mistrust has been sown, it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because now you see everything they do after that mistrust has been sown, after you have started looking at them through the lens of mistrust, everything they do or say is subject to questioning. Hey, hey, this is Dr. Kavita Sun. Welcome to the Emotional Mastery Podcast. This podcast is about emotions, psychology, and relationships. Every week, I'll be sharing real-life tools to help you build self-awareness, a better relationship with yourself, and more fulfilling relationships with the people that matter to you. Listen, this is the foundation on which the rest of your life is built. So let's take the time to get it right. I'll see you on the inside. Hello, my beautiful friends. How are you guys doing? Happy Thursday. Ah, another week. However your week has been thus far, I am so honored that you're here right now and that we get to chat. I know it's a one-way sort of conversation <laughs> when it's a podcast, but I want you to know that I want to hear from you. I want to know how the episodes are landing for you, whether you have other questions, whether you have topics that you want me to cover, or just anything that is on your heart. Because even though the nature of podcasts is one way, I want the relationship to be both ways. So please feel free to text me, 860-656-8672. That's my personal number. <laughs> feel free to text me or just um, send us a review with your thoughts and also any questions and uh, topics you want me to cover. I want to hear from you, okay? This is a two-way street and um, your voice matters to me. So with that, today I wanted to talk about how to argue better. This, you know, I'm a relationship coach and I help uh, high-achieving, busy professional women heal their relationships, whether the other person is on board or not. So it may be your marriage, whether your spouse believes in this kind of work or not, whether they're on board or not, whether they have any hope or not, I can help you shift the relationship, right? As long as there's no overt abuse and as long as there is no active affairs, we can shift the relationship. Right. And as long as there's no active substance abuse on either side, that's not being treated. If it's being treated, then we can still do this work. So, um, but I also help people shift their relationships that are not romantic. So it might be with your mother, with your um, dad, with your sibling, with a best friend, because at the core, all close relationships have the same sort of principles. So that's what I do. And because of this, um, the concept of conflict and how to argue and repetitive arguments and how they can really hurt relationships, this comes up a lot. 
in the pe- in the questions people ask me and the problems that clients come with into our programs, into HYR, which is Heal Your Relationships, which is our program, this is a big one that comes up is we are constantly arguing or we don't even argue anymore. We just stop talking about it. We've just become very distant with each other around this issue. And whether you argue a lot, but badly, which hurts the relationship, or you just gave up and stopped talking about it, which actually causes disconnection and distance and makes the relationship feel shallow and not meaningful, which also hurts the relationship, right? You have to learn how to argue better if you want to sustain a long-term relationship that actually feels alive and meaningful. So one of the things that people often ask about is differences in parenting styles. Another is, you know, person A has a higher libido than person B, and this becomes a constant sort of roundabout argument. It could be in friendships, somebody said something or did something, sometimes years ago, sometimes months ago, sometimes just yesterday, that really hurt one person's feelings. And this person is sort of convinced that the other person did it somewhat, at least semi-intentionally. And so it causes distance and mistrust, right? This could be something from your childhood. If it's, you know, a sibling or a mom or a dad or a cousin, or it could be something that just happened, like I said, recently in one of your other relationships. So a lot of arguments basically come down to our interpretation of the other person's intention. This is really important. So I'm going to repeat that. I really want you to slow down, pause and listen and take note of this. Most repetitive arguments or most emotional distance, because we emotionally distance from somebody when there's been a repetitive issue and we don't know how to handle it, it comes down to one person's interpretation of another person's intention when they did or said X, okay? Sometimes it can go both ways. Both people may have different ideas of what the other person meant when they said or did something. That leads to this sort of um, assuming negative intent, basically leads to mistrust, right? It's hard to trust somebody again when you have felt some hurt and you have determined in your mind that they at least somewhat meant it. That turns on the danger signal in our amygdala, which is a part of the brain that is constantly scanning for danger in order to keep you alive. It sort of sends a signal to the brain that this person is a mortal danger. And so your whole nervous system feels tense around them and can't relax or lean into their presence. There is mistrust. And once mistrust has been sown, it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy because now you see everything they do after that mistrust has been sown, after you have started looking at them through the lens of mistrust, everything they do or say is subject to questioning is subject to the possibility that they are a mortal danger. In fact, look, there's more evidence and whatever we look for, we find. So 
this mistrust lens actually ends up having us create more and more evidence about the other person's lack of dependability or lack of sensitivity or lack of caring or lack of morals or lack of honesty or whatever that lens initially, that mistrust seed, whatever that was, it grows and grows when we're looking through that lens. So what do we do about this, right? How do we do this better? Because seen through this perspective that I just shared with you, any long-term relationship will eventually land in this place, right? Because you're two different human beings with different priorities, worries, longings, and ways of interpreting other people. So the longer you are in relationship with somebody, it is inevitable that one person or the other will do or say things that the other person misinterprets. It's only a matter of time. So many long-term relationships will end up with this feeling of resentment and piled on moments of hurt and disappointment that eventually lead to arguments or distance. So how do we deal with this? How do we maintain long-term relationships in a way that is healthy and alive and trusting and good for both people involved? Now, the number one thing I want to say here is that arguments themselves, misunderstandings themselves are inevitable. That's what I'm trying to get you to see. It is not that something has gone wrong. It doesn't mean the relationship itself is doomed or tainted or that you made a mistake with choosing this friend or this partner or this coworker or colleague or whoever it is. It doesn't necessarily mean that anything has gone wrong. Because arguments and misunderstandings are inevitable. It's going to happen. Even if that union was blessed by the heavens, if it was meant to be, if it's your soulmate, even then you're going to have misunderstandings and step on each other's toes and uh, come up with different opinions over the same moment and have different viewpoints about things that you have to make a joint decision about. It is inevitable. Okay, let's get that out of the way. So stop being surprised basically every time you disagree with somebody. There's nothing to be surprised about. It's kind of like if you walk around, if you are mobile, you are going to sometimes stub your toe, right? Imagine if I said to myself, I can never, ever going forward, stub my toe. That is absolute. That means something has terribly gone wrong. I'm going to not take the risk of going anywhere and doing anything. All of my life will shrink to a very boring existence. I will actually harm my own body because I refuse to move it because I'm worried about possibly stubbing something or walking uh, into a situation or room that I don't necessarily like, right? If that was a criteria, I would have a very small and unsatisfying life. So first expect arguments, knowing that that is the nature of two human beings dancing with each other in any sort of capacity. Okay, the number two thing I want to say 
is that arguments are not just inevitable, they can be a good thing. You should actually look forward to it. I know it sounds uh, extreme, but sometimes we have to go extreme to combat the extreme nature of the wrong messages we get from culture, from the society surrounding us. We get this, you know, we're constantly inundated by visuals and stories of these magical couples. I have no idea where they exist because I do this work and speak to hundreds and hundreds of people in relationships about relationships, right? I have yet to find this magical couple that we seem to see in every movie and every commercial (laughs) and every book and every sort of media. There is no magical couple that are always happy, always get each other, always can give a look across a room. Yes, sometimes you can give a look across a room and get what the other person is talking about or thinking. You can have shared jokes. But even that relationship, there will be things that you step on each other's toes about, right? It's not that looking for those magical moments is wrong. It's looking for a relationship where you only have magical moments. That's the problem. So not only is it inevitable, it can be a good thing. Why? Because, my friend, any good relationship that has withstood the test of time, meaning it's a long-term relationship, any long-term relationship, You may be looking at a mother and daughter relationship that just seems so loving and you long for that. Maybe you look at a romantic partnership and you long for a person like that or a relationship like that or a group of friends, right, that seems to do girls' nights and trips and you long for a tribe like that. Any long-term relationship that you're looking at and thinking, oh man, I wish I had some of that energy in my life. I can tell you, if it has withstood even a few years, they have had to navigate and figure out how to argue better. It's because they have figured that out that they are having the relationship that you are now looking at and longing for. It's not because they never have huge misunderstandings. It's because they've learned to navigate it, right? Think about that. So if you want that sort of romantic partnership or friendships or relationships with your um, colleagues, coworkers, family of origin, we have to learn how to navigate and use arguments for the betterment of the relationship. How do you do that? Well, before we get to the how, I want you to think about arguments and disagreements as doors. Okay, think about two rooms with a door in between. Now, this door can be used to close, you can close the door, which means you're actually separating the two rooms, right? But you could also use that door as a way to connect the two rooms. So at the end of the day, conflict and disagreements is actually just a tool. It's a door. You get to decide how to use that door. You can slam it shut, and when you do that, it ends up separating the two rooms, or you can use that door to actually deepen the relationship. It is just a door. The utility of the door depends on how you use it, okay? So with that, let's come to the how. How do you argue better? Now, I could write a whole book about this, and I might someday, 
I might someday, because I have so much to say about this, from my own life and relationships and all the missteps that I've made and the ways in which I've learned to uh, retrace my steps and, and connect again. And also from many, many clients, hundreds and hundreds of clients at this point. But I want to leave you for today with just a couple of things. Okay, so you can start the process, right? The number one thing that I want to leave you with is two things that I want to share in the how. The number one thing is to take ownership of your feelings and learn how to feel your feelings without being scared of them. So let me give you an example. Let's say um, parents, uh, a couple is fighting or having a lot of hurt feelings about um, how much one person is doing around the house and they feel alone and they feel like they do everything and that they don't have support. Okay. So one of the reasons that we hesitate to bring this up or when we do, it ends up being a shouting match or the other person completely shuts down is because we think that if an argument is going to work, it's got to be perfect from the get-go, right? So when I bring up something, it's got to be brought up in a perfect way. The other person should not get defensive at all. They should listen openly. And I should be explaining it in this beautiful, perfect combination of words that is empathic and gentle and loving. And the other person should just receive it exactly with the feeling and the intention in which I'm sharing it. This expectation will fuck you over. <laughs> okay. If you think, oh, the way to argue better is for me to have the perfect combination of words and for the other person to have no negative feelings about what I'm saying. They should just listen with such an open heart. That expectation will fuck you over. Why? Because the very nature of that topic, if it is a sensitive topic, means that both people have some raw spots around that in their heart. Of course, even if it's a breeze against a raw open wound, it's going to hurt. Even if it's a cool, loving breeze, it's going to feel stingy. It's not going to kill the person. It's not going to kill you. But it will feel a little uncomfortable, which means that now and then you may raise your voice. Now and then the other person is going to shut down and deny everything or blame you back or get defensive. So don't be scared of that possibility. If you're bracing against it and trying to resist it, you're going to cause a lot of additional suffering over a situation that need not have had that much suffering. Okay? So number one is to own your feelings and not assume that a good argument or if this topic is going to have any kind of resolution, that the other person has to act this particular way when I bring it up. They can act whatever way they want. Of course they do. But the interpretation of what you make that mean makes you feel so crappy that you're scared of that feeling, which is why you lose your shit or completely withdraw and walk on eggshells. Let me repeat that again. It's not that the other person gets defensive or shuts down. That's not what scares you. It's when they 
get defensive or blame you back or raise their voice or roll their eyes or shut down. It's what we interpret that to mean and how that makes us feel that then we're scared of that feeling. So if somebody rolls their eyes or interrupts me or blames me back or gets defensive, if I make that mean this is hopeless, I'll never be able to, you know, get any sort of understanding or acceptance for who I am in this relationship. This person is um, never going to want to take any ownership or responsibility. All they want to do is blame me back. I chose the wrong person. This interpretation then makes me feel like I am worthless, no one cares about me, I am in a dead-end situation, I am alone in this, and those are painful feelings. And because we don't want to feel those painful feelings, let alone the repercussions, because maybe it's uh, kind of awkward and strained for a couple of days after, or a couple of weeks after, and that compounds those same feelings, we're so scared of those feelings that that's why we cannot withstand somebody having some sort of reaction to what I say, or if I raise my voice, then I can do the same thing to me, right? I can be like, oh my gosh, however I try, I can't stop myself, I'm an angry person, I just have a problem with communication, um, it's because of my mom, she did X, Y, and Z to me when I was a kid, or, you know, talked to me this way, or my dad, who didn't talk to me this way, and it's because of that, and that's who I am, and now I'm fucked. So whether we interpret other people's reactions or our own reactions, what we make that mean makes us feel certain feelings, and then we're scared of those feelings, okay? So the number one thing is to own your feelings and be willing to feel certain feelings without making it mean something. So for example, I might have a pang of loneliness. That does not mean that I will be lonely for life. It means in this moment, I feel a pang of loneliness. I've felt it before. I'll probably feel it a million more times in different situations for the rest of my life because it's a human emotion. And I don't have to be this scared of it or make it mean anything other than, oh, I'm having a momentary reaction of loneliness. Okay. Same thing with if the other person is, I don't know, defensive, right? does not mean that there is no hope for this relationship, this person is always defensive, this person is blah, blah, blah. That interpretation actually hurts you. I'm not here to say whether it's right or wrong. I actually don't think any person is only one thing. But what I am saying is, I don't know if it's right or wrong. Who the, who the heck knows? What I do know is that interpretation is hurting you. And in that process, making you hesitant and react in ways that you're not proud of, which hurts your life, right? So I'm more interested in your interpretations and what they do to your life than about whether they are quote-unquote right or wrong or true or false about another person. I'm not God. I have no idea. Nor do you, actually, right? So own and get comfortable feeling certain feelings in the moment without going off into a whole story about them. That's a number one thing. 
And uh, adjacent to that means that you go into a argument knowing that there will be moments when the other person will shut down or you will shut down or you will uh, raise your voice or you will make a interpret global interpretation that has you getting wound up or the other person, you know, rolls their eyes or whatever. Expect those things. Those are just human emotion. That's how arguments work. It's not the end of the world. Okay? It's not the end of the world. So the second thing I want to say, actually, I gave, I'm giving you three things, right? <laughs> About the how. One is expect these moments of disconnection to happen during an argument. Expect the eye rolling. Expect that you might just do make a statement that's black and white. You always do this and you never do that. You might. And they might get upset. They may say, you, stop saying always and never. You all, you, why do you have to be like that? Right? Expect that there will be moments of friction and um, awkwardness and disconnection in the course of a disagreement. Don't let that make you think that there's something has gone wrong and you need to completely blow your lid or that you should not bring up that topic again. Because that's how arguments work. There is no such thing as a perfectly smooth and loving and, you know, just this love fest of an argument. <laughs> that is not an argument, right? So that's the number one thing. Expect moments of disconnection. Second, check your interpretation of those moments of disconnection because those interpretations has you feeling certain feelings and then you are scared of those feelings. So check your interpretations. And number three, have the capacity and build the capacity, which is something that we teach a lot in our programs, is how to build the capacity to name your feelings and feel them without creating stories about them. Okay? Right. So the, the second point was um, to not make that mean something, right? How do you do that? The number one thing I can tell you is when you are not sure about why somebody might have rolled their eyes, why somebody might be saying, you know what, I'm done with this. You're never going to get it. If you're not sure, instead of assuming, because we always assume the worst, right? If somebody rolls their eyes, I'm never assuming that they are just feeling misunderstood and hurt and hopeless. What I do make it mean and what I assume is that they are dismissing me, they are belittling me, and they are abandoning me, right? So instead of when you don't know why somebody did something, and you're like, huh? Why would somebody roll their eyes like that? Instead of creating a story, ask. Just ask. Hey, honey, just let's pause a second here. I'm making up a story that you're you know, you don't like me. I saw you rolling your eyes for a second and I'm making up the story. I don't want to make up stories. Can you tell me what, it, what, what, what are you feeling right now? Did I say something or do something that hurt you? What is it? Right? Or you can let that go and continue with the topic knowing that, well, sometimes somebody will roll their eyes because they're upset because it's an argument. That's all right. So either you let it go or if you can't let it go, be curious. 
ask instead of creating those stories. Okay, so quick summary. There's so much gold in this episode. I want you to listen to it over and over again and then go have that conversation with somebody. Don't run away. Have the courage to reconnect. Have the courage to try having a conversation in a different way, right? So number one, we talked about arguments are inevitable. Number two, we said arguments can be a good thing. It can actually increase intimacy and mutual understanding and depth of the relationship. It can improve the relationship depending on if you use the door to slam it shut or to connect the rooms. Number three, the how. First, we said go into an argument knowing that there's going to be moments of disconnection, of eye rolling, of stippiness sometimes, of somebody shutting down and saying, you know what, there's no point in talking about this or whatever else. Those moments are part of how an argument works. Doesn't mean that, you know, you or this relationship is specially doomed. It means you are two human beings with very different interpretations of that moment. And human beings do these certain things sometimes when they're hurt. Okay. That's why it's an argument. Okay. So expect that. Don't make that, um, don't let that make you run away from the attempt to deepen a relationship. Okay. Second, in the how, is when those moments of disconnection happen, if you can let it go, great, and continue on. If you can't let it go, ask, don't assume, right? Ask, don't assume. And number three, get comfortable with feeling certain feelings, which are all human emotions. There's only a handful of human emotions, right, that you or the other person will feel. If they roll their eyes, trust me, you have rolled your eyes in multiple conversations throughout your life, and you probably will going forward as well. It's, doesn't, doesn't, it's not a unique thing to that person or to you. It's a human reaction. It's a human emotion. We've all felt all the human emotions. There's only a handful of them. So get comfortable or help have somebody, reach out to somebody, get a mentor so you can learn how to identify an emotion and how to process it without creating elaborate stories and causing more suffering to your own life. Okay? So with that, I'll leave you with this final thing. Choose to move toward disagreements. Choose to try to stick with it right? It doesn't mean stick with it in one long. You don't have to have a marathon session of a conversation. I mean, stick with the intention to try to understand, to try to resolve, apologize if, you, if there is something to apologize for, even if it is only that even with, if you had the good intention, but it hurt somebody's feelings. So what? Apologize. Let go of any resistance and ego around it, right? But be willing to move toward trying to understand and have a different kind of conversation. Choose to come back to the table. Choose to take a break and come back to it. Don't run away and be satisfied with living in the stories that is in your head because that is a small life. That is a um, shrunken possibility 
that leads to superficial, empty relationships and more loneliness and more suffering for you. I know because I've done that. Many, many years I did that. I can't tell you how lonely I made my life because of all these interpretations that I clung on to, that I never went back to try to resolve or try to understand. The goal is not to agree. The goal is to understand. So my friends, I hope that was helpful. Please, if you haven't given us a review and you found this helpful, please give us a review. It really helps other people find the podcast um, because that's how Apple (laughs) actually shows the podcast to other people is based on reviews. So please, that's my one request is if you found this helpful, give us a review. And uh, yeah, I gave my cell phone number at the beginning of the episode. Feel free to send me a text with any questions or any topics you want me to cover. Big hugs. Have a great rest of the week. If this podcast means something to you, it would mean so much to me if you'd be willing to take 30 seconds to do one or all of these three things. First, can you follow or subscribe to Emotional Mastery? Following the podcast helps you because you'll never miss an episode and it helps us because you'll never miss an episode. So to do this, just go to the Emotional Mastery show page on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and tap on the plus sign on the top right corner or click on the button that says follow. This is the most important thing for the podcast to reach more people. And while you're there, if you'd be willing to give us a five-star rating and a review and share an episode you love with a friend, I'd be so grateful. We appreciate you very, very much. Thank you.